one of our students. We have uh, eight up there this year. I think we're going to have six or seven testimonies of some sort happening over the next uh, few weeks. So it's exciting. But um, we have, just want to let you know that some of you have um, jobs and things that if you contribute, your jobs will match or whatever. If you want to talk to the church, we are, uh, we love to help with scholarship opportunities for these students. So uh, just let us know about that. Okay, well, here we go. All's different today. Listen, today I'm so excited because we're going to have a, um, we're going to do something called a covenant renewal service. Here in a little bit, I'm going to explain some about that. Um, but just to be ready for that, we're going to end the service with communion today. And you can see that's set up. And um, I, one of the things that we, we do communion pretty often here. But uh, one of the things that we should do sometimes is explain communion um, a little more in depth and why we do what we do. So uh, let's get into it, though. Here we are at the end of the summer, uh, maybe past that. Football starts. It's really kind of the fall time. I took a little extra time. I always try to do a summer a series, and this year I did that um, and... Uh, I'm ending now. So here we are at the end of the summer, spiritual formation and discipline. It's been a great summer, lots of learning, lots of teaching. I do want to encourage you, if you've missed something through this summer on these, uh, the teaching of, on spiritual formation and the spiritual disciplines, then you can go back on our church website and pay attention to those things. You can uh, find some of the uh, messages that are done from the past. Um, you can also get the church's podcast. Subscribe to that. And every week when those things are uploaded, you'll get the message. But I would encourage you to go through if you've missed some and check on these teachings. Um, spiritual discipline, the, the disciplines we talked about, they are means of grace. That's what John Wesley called them. Ways that we can attend to the grace of God in our lives. There are certain things that we can do not to increase God's grace, because he's already pouring it out on us, but to connect with it in such a way that we have a direct line to the grace of God. Last week, we talked a little bit about the corporate disciplines, if you remember that, um, and we spent special time on the idea of worship or Christian conference. And that's uh, this what we're doing today. It's being together. It's celebrating together as a community. And when we get saved, we are welcomed together into a community of believers. And here we are today. We celebrate together. It's a community of believers. We're made one with Christ, also in the body of Christ. So it's really cool that we're not just by ourselves. We are one together with him. And God established it this way because he knows that people developed better as Christians when they're in an atmosphere of being together. It's in this way that we can spur one another on. That's what we talked about last week, how we can help each other, how we can um, move each other towards love and good works. When we live in authentic community, we are recipients of God's grace, and at the same time, we are conduits of that grace. And it's one of the, it's a really cool thing the way God has set that up because not only do we receive his grace, but as we advance his kingdom, we spread that grace. We become conduits of it. His grace comes to us and flows through us. It's amazing. So today we're going to end this conversation on our series on discipline and formation by talking about communion as a means of grace. And then we're going to close with that covenant renewal service. But our scripture today is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, I do want to tell you that the notes for today's message are in the um, church's app. You can get that from the app store or 
the Google Play Store, or you can uh, go to the Bible app and look those up. And I will tell you that the covenant renewal service at the end is going to have a lot of back and forth reading. Some of you may um, want to look at that later. It's the, those uh, notes are also uh, in there. Actually, the transcript is there if you want to pay attention to that. So, all right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read this here. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. There's so much here to unpack, and we're not really going to have a lot of time to unpack that today. We're going to get into it, but I would encourage you also to take this scripture home, dwell on it for a week, study it, get some commentary and read about it, because there's, covenants are amazing. We treat them lightly Nowadays, it seems like, but when God established a covenant, it was a, it was a tremendous thing. So a covenant, just so you know, is a pledge. It's a guaranteed agreement based on trust. Covenants are arranged by mutual consent between two parties. To make a covenant is to make a binding agreement. We should have that on the screen here so you guys can see that. Um, a pledge. It's a guaranteed agreement based on trust. Covenants are a deep-seated thing. So the very first covenant was used with, uh, between God and Adam whenever God, uh, Adam was included a promise of enmity, of strife between the devil and humankind. That was, a, that was a first covenant, not a very good one after that. But then after the flood, God made a covenant of protection with humankind, right? In Genesis chapter 3. You guys remember that? And every time you look in the in the sky after a rain and you see a rainbow. We're reminded that God said he would never flood the earth again. It was a covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. Remember that covenant? That he would become the father of a chosen people. That it, through Abram, Abraham, all people would be blessed. And then on Mount Sinai, God renewed his covenant with Moses and the nation that he chose and that he preserved. He renewed his covenant with them. There's, there's a history of covenants throughout the scripture. So let's fast forward to the upper room where Jesus and his disciples are celebrating the Jewish Passover feast. I don't know what you know about the Passover feast, but it was a celebration of deliverance of the Jewish nation out of the hands of Egypt. You remember the very last thing that happened when God was freeing the people was the firstborn of every person that was left unprotected in the nation of Egypt. The firstborn son was killed. But the word Passover refers to the angel of death who passed over and spared the children of Israel. Jesus took two symbolic foods eaten at the Passover these symbolic foods were wine and matzo. And, and this is something that the Jews were already doing. And he took that Passover and transformed it into what we call communion. Because Jesus was to become our Passover lamb. 
If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he was slain to save us from eternal death. And that's what Jesus is announcing. It's a new covenant. This is a new covenant. He was fulfilling the Passover, which was the old covenant, and creating a new covenant. And when we look at covenant and the history of covenant, we understand the depth that God holds a covenant. So when Jesus announces a new covenant, we need to pay attention. The terms of biblical covenants were confirmed with a sacrifice. So you understand what's going on here. Noah and Abraham, they didn't sign a contract or hire a lawyer. They made a sacrifice. When God made a covenant, it was like he was saying, uh, do you mean business? Are you serious here? Are we really going to enter this? Is this covenant important to you? If so, then take your nest lamb and kill it. At the Passover, see, the nest lamb was a lamb that they would bring into the home. Leading up to the day of Passover. They would, they'd have, they would have grown fond of it. They would have probably... Maybe not, but maybe they named it. God said, if you're serious about this, then I'm going to have you take the nest lamb and kill it. Put it on an altar and cut it into pieces. And that blood sacrifice sealed the covenant. It is through sacrifice that we are forgiven. See, God doesn't ignore or overlook sin. It has to be paid for. Sin has to be paid for. It requires a payment. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In God's eyes, sin carries a very clear price tag. And that's punishment. And here's the deal. Either we can take the punishment or we can accept the substitute that was provided for us. There's two ways to go about that. And understanding it that way, so many of us are walking around and looking at other people and they're choosing to accept the consequence themselves because they haven't accepted the substitute, that is Jesus. When we accept the substitute, essentially we're saying what is about to happen to this animal should be happening to me. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. Now we stand here today in the year 2022 so far removed from that tradition that it really doesn't make sense to us. But this is the way that God established his covenant with us. Sin has to be paid for and we can either pay for it ourselves or accept the substitute. And if we accept the substitute, then we're saying what should have happened to me in the Old Testament is happening to this lamb. Now it's, it's happened to Jesus and, and we can accept that substitute. The way of forgiveness through animal sacrifice anticipated the sacrifice of Jesus. It, God didn't intend for it to last forever. In uh, Jeremiah, it says, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will put my law onto their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. And then centuries later, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. So he was calling into account Jeremiah's words so 
long before that. And Jesus ratified the terms of this new covenant with his blood. He was saying the price is going to be paid forever, eternally. It's not something that has to be repeated. When we observe communion, we don't repeat Jesus' sacrifice. We are simply remembering it. It was how God established us to remember the depth of the sacrifice that we were to perform. This new covenant is unconditional and it's undeserved. That's why we call it a covenant of grace. Unconditional and undeserved. We don't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. We just simply step into it. It's an amazing thing that God has done. We often disappoint God, but he doesn't disown us. We're covered under the terms of this new covenant. And it is a promise that he will never break. So how do we show God that we accept this covenant? In the Bible, after two people sealed an agreement or a contract, they would sit down together and share a meal. That's the reason I've talked about this. People don't share meals often enough anymore. Sit down and share a meal. So when we take the bread at the Lord's table, we show that we are accepting the terms of this new covenant. We're breaking bread. And here's the terms. We're sinners, guilty before God. We deserve the punishment. Christ is our substitute and took our punishment. His blood was shed for us on the cross. If we accept his forgiveness for us, then his blood covers us. We're forgiven on the basis of Christ's sacrifice. And the cool part is then God writes his law on our hearts so that we can live for him. It's an amazing thing. So how is communion then a spiritual discipline? Well, first of all, it's because it's a command. Every Christian needs to understand that it is our duty to do communion. It's what he has called us to do. John Wesley believed that we should do, he called it the duty of constant communion. As often as possible to step into the grace of God. We do it once a month here, at least. We did it last week, and we're going to do it again today. Sometimes people think that if you do it too often, it becomes not special. I believe we should do it more often to remember the covenant that we have with God. Jesus said at the Last Supper that we should do this in remembrance of him. When we do this today, we are renewing our covenant with God. It's his blood that has shed, Jesus' blood shed for our sins. Now we're renewing that covenant, stepping into it, renewing it. The bread and the cup are signs of a new covenant. They, they point to a new reality, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus isn't saying that there's power in the cup itself, but what the cup contains. There's been a lot made over finding the chalice that was used at the Last Supper, right? Even uh, movies made about it, looking for the Holy Grail. While that would probably, surely be historically significant, there's nothing special about that grail except for what it represents. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins. 
So every time we observe the Lord's Supper, we are renewing our commitment with God as his redeemed people. And it's so important that we don't take it lightly. For this next part, I'm gonna invite Sarisa to come up and uh, there's gonna be two parts here in a little bit. I'm gonna explain what a covenant renewal service is. But in the middle of this covenant renewal service, there are responsive readings. A part that I'm gonna read and then a part that you respond with. And Sarisa will lead when it's time for everybody to respond. We want to join ourselves to the Lord as an everlasting covenant. To remember that this is something never to be forgotten. So on this covenant renewal service, which I really like, and some of you are like, I've never even heard of this before. I'm going to explain that a little bit. Every person has to recognize their own sinfulness. Understanding that we have broken the law of God and that we need forgiveness and there is none outside of the grace of God. Everybody has to recognize their own sinful condition and then call on God for the forgiveness of that sin. Then we have to acknowledge that our need of grace is deeper than forgiveness for wrong acts but goes to cleansing, the cleansing work of his spirit. So today we embrace an opportunity for a fresh experience of his grace. We're going to rededicate ourselves to the covenant relationship provided to us through Jesus Christ. And that's what this next part is about. It's a rededication of ourselves, renewing the covenant between us and God. So this service that we're doing now, it comes to us from John Wesley, who is the forefather of our tradition. He wrote a covenant renewal service. You can go and find it. It's actually rather lengthy. This is an adapted version <laughs> and a little more current English. For John Wesley, it meant to be a mature disciple of Christ when uh, we joined the hearts of believers in a covenant to serve God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. He urged his Methodist followers to renew at every point our covenant that the Lord should be our God. On August 11th, 1755, Wesley refers to an occasion when he conducted a service that gave people the opportunity to renew their covenant with God. And so he wrote part of that in a journal. So this actually is an excerpt from the journal of John Wesley. I mentioned to the congregation another means of increasing serious religion, which had been frequently practiced by our forefathers, namely the joining in a covenant to serve God with all our heart and with all our soul. I explained this for several mornings, and on Friday, and on Friday, many of us kept a fast to the Lord, beseeching him to give us wisdom and strength, to make a promise unto the Lord our God and keep it. On Monday, August 11th, I explained once more the nature of such an engagement and the manner of doing it acceptably to God. At six in the evening, we met for that purpose. After I had recited the tenor of the covenant, proposed all those who desired to give testimony of their entrance into this covenant stood up to the number of about 1,800 persons. Such a night I scarce ever saw before. Surely the fruit of it shall remain forever. We need to remember our continuing need for confession. 
We have tended con, uh, to connect confession to only the time that we turn towards Christ the first time. And it's in that moment that we confess he forgives us, forgives us of our sins and purifies us. But then we shouldn't forget and never confess again. Scripture validates and Wesley affirms that even Christians need a periodic time of confession. In Wesley's words, he says this, the most holy among us is subject to a thousand infirmities which spring from our fallenness. Our uh, shortcomings and human failings need the atoning work of the blood of Jesus Christ, as well as our properly so-called sins. According to the Apostle Paul, all of us live daily recognizing our need for a cleansing work of Jesus. It's nothing that should stop when we get saved. We get saved, we're forgiven and redeemed, and then we continue to pursue that relationship with him. Confessing when we need to confess. Asking him to purify us. So today we recognize not only our great need of the grace of God, but our need to express our community covenant and our personal covenant. So in 2022, we want to learn to love and serve God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. This is going to be a little more liturgy than many of you are used to, but I promise if you just lean into this a little bit, read with me, mean the words. John chapter 15 says this, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're going to sing a song, a worship, a time of worship about grace. This is coming to Christ as our priest time of confession and by this we now renounce our own righteousness do you deeply sense your need of God's grace in Christ we acknowledge a deep sense of our need we see ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior the Spirit of God has awakened us for we have cried out Lord where are we is there no hope of escaping out of this wretched state we are but dead. If we continue as we are, we may, we do to be saved. Being made aware of our sin and its danger, we look for help and deliverance, but we often look everywhere else before looking to Christ. Nothing will bring us to Christ but absolute necessity. We try to forsake our sins through prayers and sermons and sacraments, searching for salvation.
But all of these, though they are needed in their places, cannot save in and of themselves. Our determination cannot help us. In fact, it may reflect the source of our sin. Ritual alone cannot help. These are but empty vessels. They tell us, you knock at a wrong door. Salvation is not in us. Can we now utterly despair of our own goodness or do we trust in anything but Christ? Lord, be merciful to us. What shall we do? We dare not abide as we are and we are weary of trying to do it alone. Our praying alone will not help us. Our hearing alone will not help us. If we give everything we have to the poor or give up our bodies to be burned, all this would not save our souls. Woe to us, what shall we do? We must let our sins go. We must let our righteousness go. Christ came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to seek and save them that are lost. Friends, will you now trust Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and has provided everything needed for our forgiveness? Lord Jesus, here we are, lost creatures and enemies to God, under his wrath and curse. Lord, undertake for us. Reconcile us to God and save our souls. You have promised not to refuse us, for we have nowhere else to go. If we had come in our own righteousness, you may well have sent us away. But since we come at the command of the Father and because of your great love, we know you will not reject us. We come, Lord. We believe, Lord. Throw ourselves upon your grace and mercy. We cast ourselves upon the blood. On you we will trust. On you we lay our hope for pardon, for life, and for salvation. First John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you this morning. We need you this morning. We invite you to be a part of this covenant relationship. I ask that you continue to be with us in the words that we're saying and reading, that we would mean them as we restore and renew our covenant with you. Amen. Jesus invited us into this covenant relationship with God. Nowhere is that more evident than when Jesus invites us to pray the prayer we have come to call the Lord's Prayer. It's a community prayer. We pray our Father recognizing that He has drawn us to Himself as a people. It expresses our desire together to see God's kingdom revealed among us. And so let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We now yield ourselves to the Lord. As his servants, we must give up the dominion of control of ourselves to Christ. Romans chapter 6 says this, Therefore do not let sin reign your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. We are yours, Lord. We reverence you. We dedicate ourselves to your service. In so giving ourselves to the Lord, we affirm that we will heartily embrace what he has appointed us to do, both corporately and personally. Let him appoint you to your work. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable, others more difficult and menial. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests, others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please please ourselves, as when he requires us to feed and clothe ourselves. Indeed, there are some spiritual duties that are more pleasing than others, as to rejoice in the Lord, to be a blessing, and to praise God. These are the sweet works of a Christian. But then there are other works, wherein to please God is to deny ourselves. Find what it is that Christ expects of you, and then give yourselves totally to his will, without bargaining, and without reservation. Make us what you will, Lord, and send us where we are to go. Let us be vessels of silver or gold, or vessels of wood or stone. As long as we are vessels of honor, we are content. If we are not the head, or the eye, or the ear, one of the nobler and more honorable instruments, then let us be the hands or the feet as one of the lowest and least esteemed of all the servants of our Lord. Lord, place us in your kingdom in the roles you have designed for us. Lord, make all of us your servants. In exalted places or humble places. Let us be full, let us be empty. Let us have all things, let us have nothing. We freely and gladly embrace our places in your kingdom. take a moment and sing another song about the surrender that we have just placed to God. And now let us confirm our commitment by a solemn covenant to Him. What would it take for us to make a covenant with God? What would it mean for us to commit ourselves to His plan for our lives? 
in 2022. First, it would mean forgiveness of our sins and the constant realization of our continual need of the grace of God in our lives. Second, it means to resolve in our lives to live as disciples for our Lord, foregoing our own selfish motivations and living in our world as servants to others in the name of God. And finally, it means not trusting in our own strength and abilities, but anchoring in the source of our strength and abilities, who is God himself. Listen, God is here in a very real way. His presence is here to give evidence of his promises to us. Can you trust him? Let's spend just a few moments here as we get close to the end in prayer. If you will, bow your heads. This is going to be a directed prayer. Spend a few moments and just give thanks to God for things in your life, for what he offers for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, God, for what you have done in our lives. And then begin to show the barriers that allow him to be in control. Ask him to show you those barriers. God, remove those barriers from my life so that I can allow you to have control. And then begin to ask him to show you the freedom that is available when you let him be fully in control of your life. God, I just pray, show the freedom. I feel like so many people don't understand the freedom that is available through Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins. And then I just ask that you commit to him. Today, God, we are committing ourselves to you. We are renewing our covenant with you. We have spent a summer going through what spiritual formation looks like, what the disciplines are, how we can attend to your grace in our lives. Now, God, is the time for us to make a serious covenant with you, to renew our relationship with you to renew the strength of that covenant. You have established it by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to remember it as you have asked us to by sharing this communion together. Be with us, I pray, as we continue this morning in Jesus' name. We're going to have a time of worship again here at the end, but before we do, I want to let you know that we're going to participate in communion, and if you're helping, you can go ahead and get in one of the places. There's four stations on the corners in this room. At our church, we have open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our, of our church to participate with us. The back two stations have prepackaged communion, if you would prefer that. The front two or what we call intention, you will, with assistance of somebody, tear a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. But when Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. So when we 
take the bread this morning, we remember that his body was broken for us. And when the meal was over, he took the cup, what he called the cup of blessing, and he said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So we remember this morning when we take of the cup that his blood was shed just for us. So as we sing this next song of worship, it is well. I'm just going to ask that you take your time. You take the communion at your pace. If you want to pray for a little bit before you do that, if you want to sing part of the worship as you do that, and then the, the cups in the back, you can grab one of those, or if you want to be served at the front, you can do that as well. But God, today, we ask that you would just be with us as we remember this covenant and as we renew communion, our covenant with you through communion. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I wasn't going to say anything. Am I on? I hope so. Um, in my Sunday school class, we've been studying Exodus, which is a really cool book if you have not studied it. We did the covenant service today, and it seems like a lot of litur lit liturgy, liturgical words, it's a bunch of words, right? And sometimes those words don't always mean <clears throat> what they should to us. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to envision with me that you are an Israelite living in Egypt, okay? You're in Egypt, you're a slave been there for 400 years. You live in a great area, really good dirt, gives you all the crops you want, you have all the food you want, but you are a slave. God decides he wants to show you who he truly is, that he is the one true sovereign God, that all of these Egyptian gods that you have been serving are not going to fulfill anything in your life, right? And so one day he sends a man named Moses and Moses comes in and he just shakes the place up. God brings his plagues. You see things happen that are just crazy. That Pharaoh's scientists and his magicians cannot duplicate. And so you start to think, okay, I'm beginning to come back to my roots, to my culture, to this God of my Israelite heritage, right? And then Moses says, we're gonna leave. Tonight, the angel of death is gonna come. And if you do not have blood of a sacrificed animal over your doorpost, your first son child, son is going to die. So you get everything packed up. You're worried about that night. As a mother and father, you probably don't sleep. your child or son is going to die. But you're hopeful, right? So the angel of death comes. You hear the weeping from Egypt because all of the first sons are dying and the mothers and fathers are just tortured. But you listen to God and the next day Pharaoh says, get out. And so you leave. And then you're in the wilderness. You're in a weird place. 
It's not Egypt where you had shelter, where you had food, where you had everything you wanted. You're in a tent following a cloud. You become upset. You become crumpled. And about a month and a half in, God tells Moses, I'm going to meet my people because all he wants is to dwell with us. So Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. He gives him the Ten Commandments and the law. And he comes down and Moses and God bring forth another covenant, just like Cal talked about this morning. And the people are so overwhelmed because while they're standing there watching God descend upon Mount Sinai, they're thinking about the night that the angel of death came and they're putting their hand over their child's mouth just to make sure that they're still breathing. So there's this fear, yet there's this reverence and they don't know. When we don't know what to expect, it's very scary. And so God comes and he presents a new covenant to his people. And they say, whatever you want, God, I'll do it. The reason I'm telling you that story is because it doesn't happen just once. It happens over and over. We continuously have to go through this covenant. And the reason why, and this was not a part of the service, but words matter. Covenants matter. You have a covenant with your spouse. You have a covenant with God. And they are to be honored. It's not just frivolous words. These mean something. And the reason why I'm nervous is because the, the year that Cal and I were called here, God gave me a scripture. I was doing a devotion. It was out of Isaiah 6. And this is the actual scripture, ironically enough, that brought us here. And I remember reading it in verse 1. It says, In the year the king Uzziah died, he's the Israelite king, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet. With two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And this is the verse that I read through but I don't like. I have skipped over many times and I have always wondered why God keeps bringing me back. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here I am, here I am, here am I, send me. And in verse 9 it says, He said, so before, it's all three. It's a trinity talking to Isaiah. Then in verse 9, I did a lot of research on this. When it says, he said, go and tell his people, that is Jesus talking directly to Isaiah. Before Jesus ever walked the earth, he's talking to Isaiah. And he said, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. 
make their eyes dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their, e their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie in ruins and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. That as the terabith and the oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. If you're new today, I apologize. But I don't want us to be like the Israelites that Isaiah is talking to or that God is talking to Isaiah about. This covenant means something. There's been a lot of death over the summer. There's been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of grief. The world is grieving. It's going to be like this until God comes back. But that doesn't mean that we can take this covenant today and not mean what it says. So if you are a believer and you truly believe that when you said those words today, I am praying that you don't just say the words. I think the scripture that Cal had read This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him, there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I don't want to be a liar, and I don't want you to either. So I'm just praying that today, as you go home and you think about the covenant today, that you go back and you reread it, that you truly mean it. Because without you guys, we're just coming to church for no reason because your job is to spread the gospel, to love your families, to be the men and women of Christ you're supposed to be, the ones that you claimed to be today, and to charge the gates of hell for God. So I just want us to pray as we close now. God, I just pray that you will just touch us. touch us, God, but that you actually open up our ears and our hearts and our eyes so that we truly understand what those words mean, that we find the freedom in those words, that we find the freedom in you, that we're no longer slaves to something in the past, that we're no longer worried about death, that we're no longer worried about any kind of persecution, but that we can stand firm knowing that you all those things. I mean, why in the world would you do so many plagues? Why would you shake the earth? Why would you do what you did for the Israelites if it weren't to just show them, hey, I am the one true sovereign God. He's still doing it today. There are no other gods before me. I pray, God, that we realize that you truly are the one true sovereign God. And like we've been talking in class in Sunday school, you just want to dwell with us. But where sin is, you cannot be. So God, I pray that right now that you will begin to just take the sin from our lives. If we have not confessed it, I pray that we confess it to you, God. I pray that we just turn to you and that we learn to live for you, God. I pray that you continue to woo us and that we are not liars today. Because I do not want the outcome of Isaiah 6 to happen. I pray that you will touch each person here, God that you would just continue to show them your love.
everything that you have done from the beginning to the end is because you love us, Estellos, from the beginning to end. We love you, God, and I just pray that you will just touch each person as they go their separate ways. I pray that you will guide us as a church and that we will be a beacon of light in the darkness. God, we love you, and we praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. And now may the covenant you have made on earth be sealed in heaven. Awesome. Uh, just a couple of things before we head out of here. First, if you're a guest today, um, we did go a little longer than normal. Don't think this is regular. Uh, I would say I, I apologize about that. I, don't, I think it's important that uh, we spend some time like this every once in a while. Renewing this covenant, I think, is a good thing. So, uh, but anyway, if you're a guest, not usually like this, but today was a little bit different. Um, also, wanted to remind you, don't forget about next Sunday, Back to Church Sunday. Um, if you have a friend that you've been thinking about inviting, bring them to church. We're going to have uh, a meal together. The church is providing all the brisket, and we're just going to ask people to bring sides and desserts. And uh, you can do that. And then also today, I know you were thinking you were going to get away without it, but uh, we saved the offering until the end. Um, if you are uh, here in person, then you can give. There's a couple of offering boxes on the back. You can put your offering in there on your way out. If you uh, would like, you can also go to lantanagive.church. That'll get you there. Or the church's app. You can see there. Uh, we even have the, the picture. You can scan that QR code. It's going to take you to the right place. But I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart as the pastor of this church for all that you give to partner with us in ministry. It takes finances to do and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without what you give through tithes and offerings. So thank you so much. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being a part of this service, for participating in this covenant renewal. And if you're interested in the notes, like I said, they're in the notes for today's message. The script is there. You can read through it and be reminded of the covenant that you spoke out loud. Teresa said it. Words matter that you made with God today. So anyway, God bless you all so much. Don't forget the offering boxes in the back if you want. Um, the Garden Club at the coffee bar. And uh, love you guys. Can't wait to see you next week. It's going to be good. We're going to start Ephesians. Do some uh, work through Ephesians, the letter of the Apostle Paul. Let me pray for you. A blessing. God, I pray you would bless each one that's here. Keep them safe. And have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here.